I'm Bob Madar, and I welcome you to Episode 6 of the Caregiver Series of Local Folks Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to meet Kay, who's been caring for her husband John since he was diagnosed with dementia in 2018. I began our conversation by asking Kay to talk a little bit about the circumstances that led to her becoming a caregiver. Well, in the summer of 2018, we had family stress, and it progressed. But in the meantime, my husband's dementia uh, was uh, diagnosed, and it didn't help his stress any. So from 2018, I had him diagnosed, and then it progressed in the spring of 2019. And ever since then, it just seems like it just keeps going. It's not, there's always something different every day that goes on. And I told my husband over the weekend, I said, we need to stop arguing because he back talks. And apparently that's part of the dementia. Mm -hmm. And I have to learn to walk away and keep my mouth shut. And sometimes for me to keep my mouth shut, that's hard because I'm always open and wanting to talk about it. But if I say something back, it just escalates. And that's not good because eventually he threatens to leave, which is part, it's, it's part, he's insecure. And, and this is his 36th year of being sober, 36 or 38, 44 subtract eight, whatever that is, oh, wow. 36 <laughs> years. So a lot of the insecurity has to do with the dementia. Uh, he freezes uh, sometimes when he and he can't think. So it's um, been quite a process. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the stress started in 2018, I set him up with a therapist. He feels very comfortable with him. I go in with his meetings and I just explain some of the things that have happened and then I leave so he can talk. He feels comfortable talking with him, but mm-hmm. I don't hold back. And I try to be patient and I'll tell you some of my patients just is like at the wit's end of a match, just explodes. As Kay talked, I began to realize that she's managing a particularly challenging situation. Not only is she caring for her husband, she's also dealing with serious family issues. So I got accused uh, from his son that I was abusing his dad and his dad was not safe. In July, 25 or 30 of my friends called the state of Oregon to vouch for me and what our marriage was and what we do and the charge, the allegations got dropped. So just recently, so I have had that stress to deal with besides the dementia and taking care of me. And that's where Lumina Hospice came in to help me deal with what, how to take care of it, to, to walk away from it, not be in an unhealthy environment. And I've tried to make peace with him three times and he refused, his boy. I don't, I still care for him, but I forgive him, but I don't want any part of it. Just recently, his daughter, well, the two daughters, see, we've been married 44, so we bought two families together. My son was three, his were 12, 13, 16. 
and I took that upon myself as a responsibility and to help them. And just recently, one of his daughters interfered. So just recently, I had I wrote her a letter and I said, I'm disengaging myself from family. My main focus is taking care of your dad, my husband's health and myself. And I, I said, I will always love you, but we may, may not always agree. So um, if she calls her dad, I will, and the num I have, his son's number has always been blocked, but I haven't blocked the girls because I always let them know about their dad. And uh, if she calls, I'm just going to hand the phone to John, John and walk away because it's too painful for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, caregiving's hard enough. They don't understand. They don't understand what I'm going through and not one, not one Alzheimer's or not one person that has dementia is the same. They're all different. They're, they're, it's just like an alcoholic or a drug addict or we are not the same. We're all different. I, um, I'm not going to communicate because I don't want to be abused. I have to protect myself and I have to protect my husband. But it's up to him to speak up. So last night I wrote some things up if she calls for him to talk because my husband freezes up when he's stressed out. So the the best thing that happened is after, I think it was two weeks into the allegations, my husband told a social worker, told his therapist, told his doctor, no contact with his son. And he knows that now he's trying to push, push himself back to seeing his dad. You know what? It's not going to happen his, in his daughter's time, his time or our time. We can, we can process it, but it's my husband's health. It's not anybody else's. It's mine and my husband's. We have to work it to out together. Kay mentioned how helpful Lumina Hospice and Palliative Care has been in giving her the tools and support she needs to care for her husband and to manage her health and stress as well. I asked her to describe that support in a little bit more detail. John had, um, had one of his meetings in the summer with his therapist and um, Sarah, I don't know what her last name is, I think she's a coordinator for his therapist, but she handed me the paper for Lumina Hospice. And once I made that phone call, bam, Kim Rockwood got right on it. She said, there's going to be meetings. And she said, and it's to take care of you. And what a blessing because hearing other people talk about their experiences are nothing compared to what I am dealing with. Mine is minor. So I have to try my hardest and just live in the moment and make the best of it. And I know what he has. I have seen his progression. And so I have made two appointments for him with his primary care, which is out till March, because his doctor's only in two days a week. He's doing other work and another PA to talk about his dementia and what to expect. And the meetings that I've had with Lumen Hospice, you know, I just sit and listen and participate and give some of my input. Uh, and it's been good for me. And then I had to call Lumen Hospice because Kim's off till the third, mm -hmm. I think, till Monday. Right. 
another one talked to me and she helped. I read the letter to her that I had to send out and she said it couldn't have been any better uh, to, to get that stress, mm -hmm. just to let them know what I, what we were going through. Lumina Hospice has done a lot for me. I know that, I, that that's 24 seven. And if I'm in any stress, I can always call them because during the weather, you can't always walk out when it's freezing. And it's, sometimes it's hard to leave John because he worries about, he worries 24 seven. He's, he wor he's worried, he's a worry, worry bug for mm -hmm. everything. So if I leave, I'll come back. He said, well, how come it took you so long? I always say I'll be back at a certain time. I'll set the timer, but it doesn't, it still doesn't work sometimes. But I need mm -hmm. to get out and I need to breathe. So when you said meetings at, um, at Lumina, are those like... Um, like 12, I think there was a total of us 12 in the class, including the two people that uh, gave the class who spoke. And we have handouts, a book to follow through. And then we share at the end. We all get to speak, um, raise our hand or get to speak and share what we feel or what we've been through or what we're going through. And mm -hmm. like I said, and then um, we uh, do, uh, what do you call that? So like there's, so if there's 10 people, two of us get together and we decide what a situ how we would handle a situation. Oh, like a role play kind yeah. of a thing? We did a, yeah. we did a role play during, during that. And that was a good thing too. And then we come back and uh, share. So sharing, listening is, is very important. Sharing is good too. And um, knowing that Lumina Hospice, the people are there. Kim and I were gonna do a transition program and other words sending me back the paperwork for her to speak with somebody else besides myself, ask support. But she said, no, she said, I think it just should be one-on-one -on -one, because I just mm -hmm. felt more comfortable one-on-one -on -one instead of other people getting other people involved. And it's my, and what I understand is that people need to understand their boundaries, you know, being criticized from a family member. It's not about them. It's about the patient. It's about the caregiver, the two of us. Well, you know, the thing, it, one of the things that it sounded to me with, uh, that Lumina, um, your experience with Lumina has provided is, is two or three different kinds of supports. One, it sounds like there's actual information that they give you uh, in terms of you know, handouts and, and a book and, a, and things like that, that are important informations about dementia and how to deal with it and those kinds of things. Is that, mm -hmm. is that the information? So there's yes. that information piece. And then there's the support piece, right? Yeah, the support. The support is the important part because you find yourself, sometimes you find yourself alone, but you're not alone because you can talk about it and you can listen and you can learn because there's always something that you can learn. It's not anything old, it's something new. And if you learn something new, how to take care of yourself as a caregiver and to take care of your, the patient or your husband or your friend, or then that helps me, makes me a stronger person. Absolutely. And I've had support. Hmm? Oh, I was just going to say, could you go a little deeper in, in that with an example of, of something that you've learned from your experiences with Lumina that have really helped you cope? 
What would that look like? What's an example of that? What 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 I didn't realize through Lumina Hospice was if if uh, he, he like say for example every time we come in the house I'll say did you wash your hands because that's the first thing I do when I come in the house and then I'll say well you need to take a shower he said did you take a shower and and it's not that I'm telling him telling him off or telling him what to do I'm just trying to help him and he gets defensive and if I would say something back it would be escalating the argument and basically that's not a very healthy environment do not walk away from the unhealthy environment or what is said to you if you can and it's hard for me because like I said I've always been outspoken but I want it to be right Here's Kay talking about how her faith and giving back to her community help her maintain equilibrium and find joy while dealing with the daily stressors of caregiving. I, uh, faith is very important to me because um, God always listens to our prayers. He always listens. He may not always answer them in our time, but it's his time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if I didn't have my faith, and love the Lord and serve others, I would, it would be hard for me because I would probably be bitter about this. But you know what, Bob? I am not bitter about nothing. And um, I have to learn to continue giving back to other people, to my friends, to the Oregon Correctional Facility, which I'm very grateful for. I'm very close to four of them, all four correctional officers. And one of them, I treat him just like my son. He's 45. And I, he's just, he's actually, I stuck with, he stuck with me for almost three years now coming this next year. He's assigned me the youth, the youth that I've been mentoring. And oh. mentoring is an amazing gift. I don't, I never thought I'd ever do that. And there's just isn't enough people to mentor because you know what? I am no better than a drug addict, an alcoholic, a person in prison, in jail, or that has been in trouble. All I know is that I do the best I can in mentoring and I'm on my third youth and giving back takes a lot of load, takes some of the burden that I have here and to listen to what they're they talk about in fact i'll be mentoring today at 11. so men, mentoring is is uh, are these people that are in the correctional they're system yeah they're in albany right there at oak creek correctional facility it's between oh. uh, columbus mm-hmm. and pacific mm-hmm. i know where and it is yeah. 16 yeah. through 24. and a lot of them a lot of them that are in there it's not their fault because some of them are in there for, for trafficking and they got stuck when, when they were young and um they're in there to rehab and if they don't they they don't rehab it's not up to me to the rehab it's just up to me to listen and maybe give them my experiences of what i've had and i care a lot about them mm-hmm. but these so the oh, correctional you- officers that i'm close to um they know my life they know 
what I'm there's they're they're my support. Mm-hmm. So how how often do you call? Oh, it's once a week. Once we are, a week. We set up a meeting. We were supposed to do it yesterday, but uh she had to end up working in the kitchen. So she they wanted to move it out to eleven, but I couldn't do it yesterday. So we're gonna do it today at eleven. So it's once a week for an hour, maybe not quite an hour. But two of them have gone home and they've done well. And this one will be released next year. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So for you, it sounds to me that one of the things that's really important for your own sort of mental and physical health is some engagement outside of the home, outside of your situation. Yes. And this mentorship is part is is that engagement. And would that be a, a Yes, it is because uh I started helping the first graders in 2018 and then I play the piano with the veterans, the hospital and the rehab. So that music is my um therapy. Um and giving back is is my therapy because it takes my mind off of what's going on in my own my own daily life and i and it, and it's a blessing to me um knowing that if i can help one person and make a difference that's important and and so in terms of your emotional well-being how does helping other people it just sounds like you're under enormous stress sometimes and so it's how does that alleviate that stress for your help manage it takes, that stress? It takes away the stress because it gets my mind isn't focused on what's going on in my home life. My my mind is focused on helping that other person and sharing my experiences. Listening is one of the important things that I that you do when you're mentoring mm-hmm. and. You just you get involved with that other person, and it's not about what's going on in your life at the moment. You uh, it's it's erased for a moment, but then it comes back, and it's not going to go away. So coming back, sometimes I'll share with John, not who I've dealt with because it's confidential, but. Um, uh, it's uh it's an experience that I wish more people would have because a lot of people after they retire don't have activities or things to do and they just need to get involved. In closing, I asked Kay if she had any advice for people who are or soon will be caregivers. I would say to um be involved socially uh, with a friend um, that you can talk to and not take it upon yourself about what you think you should do. Um, be patient. That's one of the hardest things to do. It's hard for me because I've always been independent um, and everything that I do in my job, in the jobs that I've had, in my own home, and I make all the decisions for everything. I've taken care of the advanced directive. I take those are things that are important to take care of. Advanced directive to have somebody else uh, 
We have two close friends that are on all of our medical, no family, and they know everything. They know my finances. They know that if something happens to either one of us, they, they have access to our accounts, not as, as signing, but that gives me peace of mind that all those things that I took care of with the advanced directive, all of our health, medical, that I have that support. If something happens to John, they can step in and help me. Or if something happens to me, they can step in and help John. And I think that that's important that as a caregiver, you have to have that support. And if I need support, they're always there for me. I've learned so much from my conversation with Kay, and a couple of points really resonated with me. First of all, it may not be possible to rely on family members for support or help, and that is when we need to reach out to trusted friends and include them in all aspects of our situation. And second, helping other people and giving back to your community is an effective way to reduce the stresses and strains that arise when we are caring for a loved one who can no longer care for themselves. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll return for the final episode of this series on caregiving, airing on April 1st. I'll talk with you soon. Music